So for a time, a period of time, we've been uh, in our spiritual gift series, and the period of time continues. We've talked about all sorts of things, uh, but tonight we're talking about generosity. And as we get into that, I just want us to pause for a moment before I start talking, before I start saying a lot of things, because I think, you know, our time of worship was just so sweet, and even, you know, just the, the joy and beauty of all the things that are going on this week and announcements. Um, and I just, I know that the Lord has um, something unique for each of us tonight. So let's just start by closing our eyes. And Lord, we, um, we're just coming before you, knowing that your Holy Spirit knows exactly where we are, knows exactly what it is you want to say to us tonight, knows exactly what we need to hear tonight. And so God, we're just stopping here, recognizing that you're the best communicator, and you have exactly what it is that we need to hear tonight. So let's just soften our heart to the Lord Open our ears and allow him to speak to us for just a moment as we listen. Hmm. You know, just kind of in the in the room tonight, since it's like a, a strong. Um, move of connectedness. And maybe there are areas of your life tonight uh, where you feel disconnected, whether that's disconnection from God, but more specifically disconnection from people. We just feel like the Lord is here for us tonight saying that he cares about us and our relationships with others. Like there's kind of this atmosphere tonight of um, God just wanting to like awaken our hearts to the beauty of connecting. So God, would you just restore in us again um, just a deep hope of what healthy and thriving and vibrant relationship looks like. Thanks for your grace over us. Thanks for your grace for our relationships, and we just call out life over relationship tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I was meeting with a friend on Saturday, and we were talking about some things, and, and in it, he said, you know what, I want to, um, I want to give more. I want to give more of myself. I want to give more of my stuff. I want to give more of my money. And I love that conversation because I know that when we start talking about giving, that there's like a deep spiritual root to all of it. Like giving is so attached to the state of our heart that it requires a radical move of God to come in and move us to a place of generosity. I know that for me, there have been times in my life where, you know, I've, I've, uh, tried to withhold myself or my stuff from other things because I've been averse to those things or I've been upset with those things or I've had a heart of bitterness toward those things. And so therefore I want to withhold myself from them, whether that's a person or a group of people. Um, probably nine months ago, 
Um, there was this opportunity for us as a church. We have a benevolence fund and we give that as the Lord leads us and as there is need in our community, both inside and outside our, our immediate church family. And there was a church in town that um, just, just needed kind of an extra shot of, of some cash to help them kind of do what it was that the Lord was calling them to do and kind of keep going with what they were doing. And so um, there were several people in our church that had kind of gone and been part of that thing. And like, that's always a weird thing for me. And I never know how to exist in it. And sometimes it begins to stir up some bitterness in, in me. And so the benevolence team got together and they said, hey, we know of this need. What if we give them $1,000 on behalf of, of our church? And it's just like one of those things where it's like, uh, if we don't do that, like it would make me keep feeling this way I feel. And I kind of like feeling the way I feel about that thing right now. And I know because there is so much spiritual depth to the power that exists in generosity that if we give them money, I'm not going to be able to keep feeling the way I feel about those people over there. And so you all and we all together were able to bless that church and it began to shift something in me. You know, sometimes I don't want those things to shift. Sometimes I want to hold on to the way I feel. But there is a radical truth to how generosity affects the way that we relate to things. And God begins doing something in our heart when we're willing to release control of the things that we have and the time that we have and the gifts that we have. And we say, Lord, these are things truly are yours. Do with them what you will. And as we do that, God begins doing something amazing and powerful and radical in our hearts to begin to shift the way we posture ourselves toward things. And so as we talk about generosity tonight, I want us to recognize that what we're not talking about is a simple action. What we're talking about is something that radically shifts the way you and I live and ultimately shifts all the people around us and the culture that we get to exist in together. And so tonight we're going to talk about this. A generous culture is one of transformed givers, transformed recipients in an atmosphere of joy because something radically shifts in all of us as we choose in the generosity. And so what I want to talk tonight about is not simply your heart or my heart or the radical effects of joy on the people around us. Tonight I want to talk to us about the culture of our church, the culture of this house as we exist together, because I think generosity radically affects the way you and I live and the culture that we create. And so I'm not just talking about a little thing that's an issue in your heart tonight or my heart tonight. I'm talking about how you and I can step into a radically different way of living together. And so it's a big deal tonight, I think. And we're going to talk about these three things. We're going to talk about uh, transformed givers. We're going to talk about transformed recipients. And we're going to talk about an atmosphere of joy. But all of it relates to a bigger reality of the culture that you and I exist in as a church. And you know what? I think as we begin talking about this first thing, generosity transforms givers. Tonight, I so radically desire that you and I would be people who are released from some chains. Because I think there are a lot of us who are controlled by money because we're afraid of it. Or we're controlled by money because we think it's a tool for control. 
And when we think about giving, a lot of times there's kind of this political example where there's a rich person over here with a lot of money and they say, I'm going to give that to this politician. We see this in lobbying. So there's a company or corporation or an industry that gives a lot of money to a politician. And what they say to that politician is, I now control you because I'm going to threaten to withhold if you don't do what I want you to do. And I think we oftentimes exist in the same mindset, that we look at the things we have as an opportunity to control other people around us. And we live in an embittered place to say, I'm going to withhold if you aren't what I think you should be, or you don't do what I think you should do. And tonight, I want to talk that as as our hearts transform, we do a complete 180, and we begin to understand that our radical generosity transforms people because we are able to just bless them into who it is that God has created them to be. And so moving from this place of looking at the things that we have as an opportunity to withhold, and and, and, in the process of that, you and I find freedom because we're no longer controlled by that thing. And so in Romans chapter 12, it's where we see generosity, when we see the gift of giving. And we've talked about lots of gifts throughout this series. And one of the things that we've come back to over and over again is that all of these gifts are available to all of us. As we find ourselves in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we all have access to these gifts. And we might think, you know what, some people have some gifts and some people have others. And it's somebody else's job to, to be the giving person. But if there's a gift that we're talking about in any way about it being accessible to all of us, it's this beauty of generosity because, again, I think there's something so powerful in it. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we have these two Greek words in this passage, in this context of if it's giving, then give generally, give generously, generously, genuinely, generally, generously. All right. So the first word as we look at this passage, means to impart. And so there's this very real thing that you and I have the ability to impart something. As we increase in generosity, we recognize that what we have is an opportunity to impart blessing into the lives of other people. The second idea in this passage is this word called haplates, and it means singleness, simplicity, sincerity, mental honesty, the virtue of one who is free from pretense and hypocrisy. And it's just this beautiful picture that as we're giving of ourselves, we're doing so genuinely and honestly and with a joyful heart. And we say, you know what, I'm, I'm giving this generously because I believe that the Lord is asking me to be a generous person. I'm not giving with pretense. There's not an ulterior underlying motive. I don't expect something back from you. I just recognize the power of generosity. And I want to live that out in my everyday life. The definition goes on, not self-seeking, openness of heart, manifesting itself by generosity. And there's just this beautiful picture of like our heart breaking open in the act of generosity. Something shifts inside of us as we practice generosity. 
And this, I think, is a beautiful picture for us recognizing this idea. The reason we give or don't give is a reflection of the heart. The reason we give or don't give, sometimes you just got to touch it, is a reflection of the heart. And and I think this is important enough, like this is where it all begins. It's a recognition of like, God, what's going on inside of me? Like when that basket comes by in the row or when I see somebody with a need, what's happening in my heart? Because it's really easy for us to just kind of like, okay, whatever, this is the time where they talk about giving and I'm just going to make something happen in my head so I don't have to listen to what's going on, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to think about this. But we miss an opportunity for the Lord to shift our heart when we stop and ask God what's going on inside of me when it comes to the idea of generosity in my life. So we're going to stop here. And I just want you to close your eyes once again. And I'm just going to read this. And I, I just... Lord, would you just kind of come in and reveal our hearts to us right now? The reason we give or don't give is a reflection of the heart. And if you give from a place of joy, like let's celebrate that tonight. If you give out of a place of of a desire to control, like just let God show you that. If there's a streak of bitterness in you that prevents you from giving, like I think there's so much, so much grace right now for us in this area. Like God just wants to come in and enliven your life and free you from the chain of bitterness. Maybe there's distrust. Maybe there's something that happened in the past that has caused you to stop trusting. I don't know what, what's going on in your heart, but I know that the Holy Spirit does. So God, just show us our heart tonight. Come on, Lord. God, just... just Help us overflow with so much joyous life that springs from a heart of generosity. There's so much, so much peace in this. There's so much potential For God to radically shift our entire lives because we become people who live open-handed. Yeah, Lord, just come on, God. Show us your goodness. Amen. And as we begin to allow God to come in and just show us our heart, as we open ourselves up to him, I think we see this. A softened heart follows giving from a place of hope and trust. And I think this is one of the things that we talk about when we talk about this heart, what's revealed in a heart of generosity. It's that we hope, Lord, we have a hope for what you're gonna do in me. And God, I want to step into a new level of trust, trusting in you, trusting in others, trusting in the church. And God, I want 
a softened heart that allows me to step into hope and trust. And there's this cycle. As we give, God begins to soften us and put in us a new level of hope and a new level of trust. And as that hope and trust continues to grow in us, we become people who are more and more generous. And there becomes this joy that exists in our lives because we're allowing him to transform us through the act of generosity. And I want to challenge us with this tonight. This is what we're going to do as a result of tonight. And we'll come back around to it at the end. If you're bitter at someone or something, give to it and discover how generosity has the power to heal you. If you have bitterness in your heart tonight, towards someone or something, I want to challenge you in the next two days to give something to it. Whatever it is, whoever it is, I want to challenge you to give something to it. And that might mean giving some money to it. It might mean giving some time to it. It might mean sending a text message. It might be making a phone call or sitting down and saying something to someone. And what I want to challenge you with this, whatever's most difficult, do that. And God will just, I I promise you, change the way that you relate to that thing or that person. Like maybe some of us need to write a check to the church that we think is the worst with money this week. Right? Or, 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 Or call someone and encourage them when really our heart is saying, I'm bitter toward you and I want everything in you to fail. Like there are people in the room tonight who feel that way towards someone. And the best thing you can do maybe in the next 24 hours is to call that person and say, I'm praying for success in every area of your life. And just overflow with abundant generosity toward the person or thing toward whom you are bitter and watch your heart change. Because the generosity isn't always about the recipient. God does something powerful in you when you give. So let's combat the bitterness of our heart by practicing generosity this week. It goes back to that story that I told in the beginning where there was this group of people that I was embittered toward. And because through the challenge of our church, we were generous to them, it caused me to have to change my perspective. And God did something in me. He was gracious toward me and he poured out his grace over my life and began changing my heart toward those people because it wasn't about them and it's not about me. It's about God and his agenda and his kingdom and his power and ability to transform me and to transform them and to bring a sense of unity so that he can accomplish the things he wants to accomplish. And that's what happens when you and I begin being generous. It transforms us. Not only does it transform us, generosity transforms the recipient. And I love this. Giving in faith doesn't only affect your faith. It affects the faith of the recipient. There's something powerful that happens in the person that receives when you're generous. This week, I got a phone call from a lady. She's a really amazing arts kind of supporter here in Central Florida. And uh, for the last like eight months, I've been trying to raise money for this uh, arts nonprofit that that I um, lead. And we put this event on in the streets of downtown in the fall. And so there's this like big budget that we have. And a lot of days I feel the pressure 
of raising all that money. And I got a call from this woman this week, first conversation we've ever had. And in three minutes in, she's like, why have I never heard of this before? I'm so glad we're talking on the telephone. I'll give you $5,000. It's just like, what? Thank you. Like, thank you. Yes, you're awesome. Can I tell you a little bit more about what you just gave $5,000 to? And so we talked for a little while longer, and then we hung up the phone, and I said, thank you again. You're awesome again. (laughs) And then 10 minutes later, she calls back, and she says, you know what? Don't make it $5,000. Make it $7,000. I don't want you to have to go out begging. (laughs) Yeah, right? Right? And after eight months of feeling like I was banging my head up against the wall trying to raise money, I was beginning to lose faith. She called me and she was abundantly generous in the course of a 10-minute conversation. And it radically shifted my expectation for what was possible. It changed me. Her generosity changed me and my expectation. Giving in faith, and I think this is like a really powerful thing that I want us to grasp tonight. Giving in faith means we don't give back, or we don't give because of what something or someone is. We give prophetically declaring what they can be. And so often you and I, well, I don't like this about that place. I don't like this about that person. And what do we do? We go into politics mode. I'm not going to give you money until you are who I think you should be. Or if I'm giving you money, you better hurry up and do what it is I think you should do. And that's our perspective when it comes to giving so often. But here's what I want to challenge us with, whether it's giving money to this church or where it's giving money to some nonprofit organization or giving money to a homeless person on the street. I don't want you to give here or anywhere else because of who we are. I want you to give because of who God is declaring we're becoming. And so when you give here, I don't want you to give to this. I want you to give to the picture of the things that God has declared over us. I want you to give to the, the prophetic word that God wants to use City Beautiful Church to be an example to the church and cities around the world of what it means for a church to truly influence a city. I want you to give into the prophetic word that's been spoken over us that God wants us to be an influence to radically shift this city so that when people think of Orlando, they don't just think about Mickey Mouse, they think about the powerful move of God. And I want... (laughs) Although, although... Sorry, hold on. I do love Mickey Mouse. Yeah, 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 right? Anyway, um, what are we talking about? So give into who it is that God is declaring about what or, or who that thing or person is becoming. And you and I begin allowing our generosity to be a prophetic seed for radical life transformation that we would be part of seeing things step into the fullness of what it is that God is declaring about those things. Sincere giving is a prophetic act that empowers you to call people and things into their fullness. So you're not trying to control 
by withholding our radical generosity speaks the truth over the lives of the, the people and things around us. I love this story, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. David is in exile from Saul, and we know that there's this prophetic word over the life of David that he is king. God has declared him as king, but he's in exile. He's run away. He's been banished into this place where he can't operate in the fullness of who it is that God has declared him to be. And there are all of these people who go and they find David. And look what it says here. All these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to, came to Hebron fully determined to make David king over Israel. All the rest of the Israelites were also of one mind to make David king. The men spent three days there with David, eating and drinking, for their families had supplied provision for them. Also, their neighbors from, a, from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali came bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. There were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes. Yeah, it's not a cookie. It's fruit and cake. Exactly, it's a Newton. There were, there were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep, for there was joy in Israel. And while David had run away and was in hiding, thousands of people said, we are of un one mind of what God has declared about who you are. And even when you don't believe it, we're going to bring all this stuff and heap goodness over your life because we see who God has said, who God has said you are. And they allow their generosity to be a prophetic reminder to David about who it is that God says he is. That's cool, huh? So let's just pause here. Let's, let's make it practical. Who can you pour generosity over to, de to, to help declare the fullness of who God says they are? Write their name down, send them a text message, like whatever it is. Let's just do it, you know? Like let's be this army that just comes around people and just heaps all kinds of awesomeness over their life to call them into the fullness of who God says they are. And here's the thing. Giving prophetically might seem like you're getting a negative return on investment. ROI, you know, those money terms. But you're giving into the unseen. This is the like prime example of Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is giving his life to people who are less than him. It seems like a really bad investment for the Messiah, the ruler of the universe, to say, you know what, I'm going to give some of what I got to you because no one could ever live up to the fullness of who Jesus is. But what happens? Jesus invests in the unseen in the life of the disciples. He sends them out. They mess up. They come back. He teaches them. He loves them. He pours grace over their life. He sends them back out again. They do some awesome stuff. They come back and Jesus says, I've put myself in you. I'm going to be going away soon. This is all yours and you'll do the stuff you've seen me doing, but that's only the beginning. Because of my investment in you, there will be a return that has been, that, that manifests in you doing things that are greater than any of the things you've ever seen me do. 
And so when we invest prophetically into the lives of people, people around us might look at us and say, you're crazy. And there might be some days where you wake up and think, I'm crazy. But we have the power to call people into the fullness of who it is they are by investing in the unseen realities of who God is declaring them to be. So first, God begins transforming our hearts and we're freed from the need to control our lives and our stuff. And this joy comes inside of us when we open our hands. And as a result of that, generosity begins transforming the people around us. And then our culture, the culture of our church, the culture of our city, all of it begins look di looking differently. Generosity fosters an atmosphere of joy. We've been talking about this Alden building for so stinking long, it seems like. But I'm happy to report, I think... We have submitted what will be the final paperwork. So there's, this is on the cityoforlando.net website. Uh, there are all kinds of permits there. And our biggest issue thus far has been going back and forth with the fire stuff, all right? So there are all of these departments that all have to like look at the plans that we've submitted. And so when we get down to the fire thing, we see parking spaces, sewage, fire. So this is where we've gotten all these things. And for every area in the code, when we submit plans, it'll either say not met or met. You can see there by the beautiful cursor. And as we scroll through all of these fire requirements, met, 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 right? So good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of words there that I don't understand, but I think we're, I understand the word met. So good news, guys. We've met stuff. Uh, and hopefully that means we'll be able to move in soon. We'll keep you updated. But there is progress. Thank you. The point of me saying all of this in the context of generosity fosters an atmosphere of joy is because this has been a rough process. Like there are people who have been working on this thing and it's like at times there's this sense of, yeah, I feel like desperation about this. I have no idea what to do next. I have no idea how to get this thing through. And because of the generosity that's been poured out by the people in this room, when we started this process and together we gave $70,000 to initiate this process, there is, there is joy that surrounds the process because of the generosity that exists in the midst of it. And on those days where it's like, I have no idea what to do next, we can look at the generosity that's been surrounding this project and saying, let's go for it because there's a lot of people who believe it can happen. And it shifts the context of what we're doing when generosity abounds in the midst of it. And I think there's this picture that's really a kind of a good example of this concept of generosity bringing joy to the environment. And it's the picture of going to a party that's built on a budget versus the party that's built on generosity. So you go to the budget party and there's like a single table there and like the Publix Cola two liter, like a single Publix Cola two liter and a single bowl of chips. And it's kind of like there's 20 people there and they're all looking like, okay. I guess I'll eat a chip. <laughs> Are we all going to take one swig out of that two liter of cola? <laughs> but 
horses going to the party that is built on the beauty of generosity and you walk in and there's a table that's full of whatever you think is awesome and it's piled high with awesomeness and there is no end to the awesomeness that's on the table. Like it's like going to dinner with the Lost Boys and shouting Rufio and seeing food come to life. Yeah, Rufio, hook, like, gotta love Peter Pan. Oh, out of control, out of control, right? So that's the kind of party that you have when generosity abounds. There's like this joy and this freedom that comes with it. And when you and I learn to open our hands and we begin blessing and shifting the lives of the people around us, it all adds up to become a culture that is full of joy and beauty and goodness and reciprocal generosity. It's like the picture of the father and the prodigal son coming home and the father says, kill the fat calf. It's like, go get the one that's gonna taste the most juicy and most succulent because that's the kind of party that we're gonna have tonight. And that's a party of generosity. Generosity is integrally attached to a culture of joy and honor. And this is where we end tonight. You and I begin shifting and shaping the culture of our church as we exhibit and embody generosity. Something happens in your heart. Something happens in the hearts of the people around you. Something happens in the hearts of these people to move them to stand and come play music for us on stage. And there's just a different environment. There's a different atmosphere. Things are different. In Nehemiah chapter 8, there's two kind of main characters here. So the wall around the city was down, and Nehemiah said, we got to rebuild this wall. They rebuild the wall, and Ezra, who is the teacher of the law, opens the, the, um, the, the book of the law and begins to read from what we consider the Old Testament. And he's reading this and the people are hearing it for the first time in a long time. And God is doing something powerful in their hearts and they fall down on their faces and they begin to weep and they have this incredible encounter with God. And then after that moment, Nehemiah comes and he says this, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And as they exhibited generosity to one another and as they celebrated together and they enjoyed this wonderful party and communion with the Lord, God did something to establish himself in them. And as they heard the word of the Lord spoken over them and God transformed their heart, it resulted in this beautiful generosity of saying, I'm gonna live an abundant life. And not only am I gonna live an abundant life, I'm gonna take from what I have and 
I'm going to give to those who don't. And the whole culture was transformed into one of celebration and beauty and joy and abundance. There was a radical cultural shift as the result of the change in heart of the people. And it brought them all to a place of generosity. And we'll end with this reality that all of the generosity that you and I exhibit is simply an embodiment of God's heart for us. God gave everything because he was investing in who he knew we could become. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God saw the fullness of who he created us to be. And he said, I'm going to give everything I have to make sure that they become everything that it is that I'm dreaming for their lives. And not only that, he said, everything that I have, I give to you. And God has given us his spirit to be people of wisdom and supernatural power to step into being a blessing to every person that we come in contact with every day so that we would live a generous life that embodies God's generous heart for us. Let's close our eyes. Let's think about three things. Think about your heart. Where is it? What's God doing in you right now? Again, I think there's just an extra portion of grace over this area of our lives tonight. Like if, if we just like crack the door of this part of our lives before God tonight, his, his grace for us in this area has so much weight to it. It will just rush into this area of our lives and just enliven us. The second thing is who is God asking you to give into tonight to speak prophetically into who it is that they're becoming? And then the last thing is how is your contribution in the context of this whole, this body, drawing us into a place of greater life, of greater joy. Again, a question based in the grace of God poured out over your life, not a question of condemnation, a question of life. to bring healing to your heart. He wants to alleviate your bitterness. So I just want to call you into a place of generosity tonight. Whatever that looks like, in whatever direction he's leading. Just confirm it in your life. Stop being negligent with the things that he says. Stop developing a pattern in your life that when he speaks to you, you have a pattern of doing nothing with it. Establish the pattern tonight. Establish the pattern. Whatever he's saying with you, establish the pattern of doing something about it. Let's stand together.
And as we sing, just allow him to continue to work in you in this area of your life, to bring you to life, to soften your heart, to alleviate bitterness, to rescue you from those chains of control and to step into a radical way of transforming the lives of the people around us because of our generosity.